You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears offensive line could start 2021 with five players at completely different positions than they started 2020. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook, or join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. On the show today, a closer look at this Bears offensive line and how the offseason overhaul plan has played out. The team comes into this offseason with a lot of changes up front, some new faces, some players to be encouraged about, but still some real question marks about not only what the starting lineup is going to look like exactly, but also what they're going to get from some of these up-and-down players that are in need of some coaching and development. We'll talk about what went wrong in 2020 and what the Bears needed to do this offseason to correct it. We'll look at the competition at right tackle and get a sense for each of the names in the mix and what we should expect from them in 2021, as well as the familiar faces on the interior and how nothing is quite set in stone for them either. Heading into this offseason, we talked about how the offensive line needed to be one of the top priorities for the Chicago Bears. Of course, quarterback is always going to come first in that. We weren't sure exactly what type of quarterback options they were going to have, but regardless of who was going to play under center in 2021, we kind of all had a consensus that the offensive line needed to be better. And that meant potentially making some changes, whether it was going to be releasing Bobby Massey or releasing Charles Leno or somehow end up doing both. We weren't quite sure, but we knew there was going to be some change over there. And that's exactly what we got. It is going to be a very different looking group up front. The question is whether or not that addresses what the issues were with this line last year. Because if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that heading into last offseason, kind of one of the big concerns we had circled on this roster was a lack of offensive line depth. Feeling like you could get by with at least four out of the five starters that you had, Leno, Daniels, Whitehair, and Massey. Rashad Coward at right guard was one we were a little bit unsure about in a potential competition there that Jermaine Effetti ultimately won at right guard. But you felt okay about those guys. You didn't really see much experience behind them at any position. It was kind of just Jason Spriggs at tackle had some NFL games under his belt. But everybody else was current and former undrafted free agents that you weren't sure you were able to rely on. And lo and behold, offensive line injuries happen. It's just a reality that is unavoidable in the NFL. And we saw a lot more of Rashad Coward than we wanted to, a lot more of Alex Bars than we wanted to, a lot more of Jason Spriggs than we wanted to. Sam Mustafer also getting in there and 
as it sort of played out, Mustafa ended up being the one that was the most reliable, but you were kind of like, what, one for three, one for four out of that with, you know, Spriggs being just kind of okay, Alex Barr's really a work in progress, Rashad Coward being pretty awful, and then Jermaine Effetti was all right, but it wasn't until that he moved out to right tackle where things started solidifying a little bit more across the board because then you got Sam Mustafer a little more locked in at center and Cody Whitehair was over at left guard and a little bit more comfortable in that spot. And, and things started to stabilize a little bit more once you found that right lineup as a whole. But I can't help but look at this offseason and feel like cutting Charles Leno and Bobby Massey doesn't necessarily solve what was wrong with this offensive line last year. Perhaps those are both steps toward more eventual long-term improvement, but you don't think back to last year and think, God, Charles Leno was the reason this Bears offensive line was so bad. Right? He had a couple of bad games in there. I think Saints and Titans midseason was about the peak, or I guess the, the valley, the, the very bottom of Charles Leno's play. But down the stretch in the second half of the season, once the rest of the offensive line started playing better and once he had Cody Whitehair next to him, he played pretty well. He, he was a fine NFL left tackle, and I, I imagine the decision to move on from him after the draft much more a financial one than a quality of play decision. But again, we're trying to sort of prioritize quality of play of the offensive line, and you'd like to have the five best players. And we talked about how Charles Leno with Tevin Jenkins at right tackle would have been one of your five best players. So as much as Tevin Jenkins can be a long-term upgrade at left tackle, I'm not sure that week one in 2021, if that's necessarily a positive move, and it has that ripple effect of you're taking Tevin Jenkins away from right tackle to play him at left, so then you're going to sacrifice a little bit more at right tackle as well. And every player you release and don't re-sign also cuts into your depth on the offensive line up front. Again, that was sort of the, the issue we identified going into 2021 and the issue that definitely played itself out over the course of the season. And I'm not left sitting here in May, a full offseason of acquisitions later, feeling great about where this Bears offensive line depth comes in terms of experience. Because right now... Your backup offensive tackles are some combination of the rookie fifth-round pick Larry Borum. You signed Elijah Wilkinson from Denver, and of course, assuming Jermaine Effetti is going to start at tackle, that's that's kind of it for your backup tackles. You, you don't necessarily have something you love to have to rely on there, but at least you have some different options. And then on the interior, it's Alex Bars, and then they just signed Alex Redmond from the Dallas Cowboys. He's appeared in a few games in his NFL career, but otherwise... You know, you don't really have a true backup center yet. Just Lachavius Simmons and Arlington Hambright, your seventh-round pick from previous years. There's still very real concerns about the depth of this offensive line if they happen to have injuries again like they did last year and like just seems to be so inevitable at some point in most seasons. But even putting the depth aside for a moment, I still think there are legitimate concerns about how this right tackle competition is going to play out. And I think we're putting a little bit too much assumed faith into Jermaine Effetti. We'll go through all three right tackle candidates and how this competition may shake out next on Locked On Bears. 
when you combine offensive line questions with uncertainty at the quarterback position, that's part of how you get to a season win total set at over under seven and a half wins at betonline.ag. That leaves them outside of the playoff mix, which is why you see Bears odds to make the playoffs at no, minus 215, and yes, plus 175. At least oddsmakers still have faith in Justin Fields. He's got the third best odds for Offensive Rookie of the Year at plus 700, just behind Trey Lance, just ahead of Mac Jones, and all of them behind the favorite of Trevor Lawrence. Those are just some of the many ways you can play and win at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your free 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The biggest lie we've been told all offseason came just last week, or maybe it was late the week before, when we heard from offensive line coach Juan Castillo for the first time in a while, and he had a quote that made some headlines, and it was certainly a hot take, but it's just really hard for me to believe it. It seemed to be one of the most bloviating, confident coach speak that we've heard in some time around here. The quote from Juan Castillo, we don't have recorded audio of it available to the public, but it said, I don't want to make predictions, but I would not be surprised if this kid made the Pro Bowl this year, referring to right tackle Jermaine Effetti. He said, as we talk, he's busting his ass in Texas in 100-degree weather, works as hard as any guy I've been around. He said, you know, if Eddie improved tremendously when he moved to right tackle last season, his quote was, you know, you can look at the stats, how many pressures, how many sacks he had that he gave up that he was playing right tackle. I know that he hadn't been playing like that at Seattle, but I think he improved. He cut his penalties over half from what he had at Seattle. And I think everyone would say that if you watch the tape, he played square, which was his problem at Seattle. And I think he's just going to get better. The kid was a first-round pick. He's got some God-given ability, and me as a coach, it's my job to make that ability pay off, and that's what we're going to do. Sounds great, coach. That's, of course, what you want to do with every player, and every coach thinks he can be the one that unlocks the untapped talent that a previous player, especially a highly highly drafted or well-regarded player, comes from another organization, and it's me, this offensive line coach, I'm going to be the one that did what other coaches were unable to do. And every once in a while, it happens, right? It's not unheard of that a player goes to another team and has a big turnaround, and the change of scenery is exactly what he needed, and the next coach is the right coach to open him up. But those are a lot more rare and a lot more uncommon, especially now that we've seen Jermaine Effetti for a season in Chicago. Yes, most of it at right guard. I think he came back and played seven games, including the playoff game at right tackle, and he was fine, right? He was, he was not bad, but the question is whether he can hold down at that spot long-term and be that truly consistent upgrade for the Bears there, or was he a beneficiary of playing against the Lions and the Texans and a really injured and 
depleted Vikings defense and then the Jaguars. And then, you know, week 17 against the Packers and the wildcard game against the Saints. Those are no slouches, but I'm just not quite sold yet. And it sure feels like a lot of blowing hot air when Juan Castillo is ready to make that jump from guy we didn't have at right tackle even as our first option after Bobby Massey. Remember, they started Rashad Coward out there for a little while. They had Jason Spriggs out there as well. They were trying some different combinations. And finally, they said, oh, let's throw Jermaine out there and see what happens. And it worked for the second half of last offseason. But all of a sudden, he's going to come in in 2021 and take another step forward. I'm just not buying it. You know, you re-sign him on a one-year deal. They gave him a signing bonus. They did want him back. But it's a one-year deal, less than $5 million. You know, they're not paying him like he is their top-of-the-line right tackle that's going to be a pro bowler, right? They're paying him like a guy who played all right last year and you'd like to bring him back and put him in a competition, right? You don't sign Elijah Wilkinson from Denver and draft Larry Borum in the fifth round to all compete at right tackle if you're really so confident in Jermaine Effetti to play at a Pro Bowl level this upcoming season. Like, remember when, when they signed Effetti from Seattle and it was all about, well, you know, he, he really didn't work at right tackle in Seattle and they put him in at guard and that seemed to be a better fit for him. So we were sort of praising that the Bears were going to play him at guard because that seemed like the better fit for him. And so then all of a sudden now we're going to supposed to be praising the Bears for putting him back at right tackle and, and rolling with him at right tackle because Juan Castillo thinks he can unlock some of this brand new potential when they're still treating it like an open competition and they're still going to let Larry Borm and Elijah Wilkinson get in there and, and try and have some different opportunities. It, it all just, it doesn't quite add up, right? It doesn't quite make complete and total sense. And it leaves me wondering, are they even going to get Bobby Massey level production at right tackle this season? Again, I think the offensive line turnover is a longer term operation these are guys on one-year deals, and Larry Barham's a rookie, so obviously you're sort of thinking things could change more so beyond 2021 as that position develops, but it doesn't feel like an amazing strategy to solidify your offensive line for Andy Dalton and for Justin Fields when you've got Denver's reject and Seattle's reject competing with a fifth-round pick who probably will end up more likely fitting inside at guard, kind of like Jermaine Effetti did. You hope that one rises to the top and gives you good enough consistent play on that side to hold things down and not leave you with a, a complete vulnerability there. But part of the problem, too, is that we're not 100% solid with everything else the Bears are going to get on the offensive line besides right tackle. You know, if Jermaine Effetti was clearly going to be your sure thing worst offensive lineman, you can live with that if you've built up a strong enough group around him. But even that is not a sure thing at this point. And there's still questions that need to be answered on the interior of this offensive line. We'll start to tease out some of the development needed next on Locked On Bears. All the emphasis this offseason has been on the offensive tackle position, and we've sort of just assumed... Generally speaking, that the interior offensive line will be some combination of Cody Whitehair, Sam Mustafer, and James Daniels. And I think at this point, that's the safe assumption 
in order of position from left to right. Most of her in the middle at center. And James Daniels more likely to be the one to move over to right guard than Cody Whitehair. But even those three guys, as much as they're all still young, promising, developing, growing offensive linemen, we don't know with much certainty how much we can rely on any of the three of them, for sure. Last year, Cody Whitehair at center was terrible. That first half of the season with him in the middle, he was arguably the weakest link. You know, after they made the switch to Nick Foles and trying to adjust to all that, you know, you think like the Colts game, Buccaneers, Panthers, Rams, that stretch kind of leading up to the bye week portion of the year, he was a huge problem. And I think he got injured briefly in there and it was just, it was just a mess until they come back out of the bye week, move him over to left guard next to Charles Leno, and he played at almost a Pro Bowl level down the stretch there. I mean, he had some phenomenal games at left guard. And I think now what we're entering his sixth NFL season, I think we generally have an understanding of a certain level of quality of play of Whitehair, but he's He's shown us that he can start a season really bad at center. He's played really well at center before that. So, you know, does that instantly mean he's going to be great at left guard again? Because we've seen him be good and bad, I think, at both positions in his career. And again, we like to think there's a certain consistency there. And he's the one of the group I think I have the most faith in because we have the most evidence and the most tape of him playing at a high level. But last year kind of proved that nothing is quite set in stone even with him. Then you move over to James Daniels, who missed most of last season with an injury and really wasn't playing all that well in those first five games of the season either. And we're entering like the last year of his contract and the contract extension discussions start coming up. And I still don't think we know whether he's actually a really good offensive lineman or not. It's always been like promising and developing. And we've been giving him this sort of long run-up and this learning curve and saying, you know, he's he's still coming along and we can sort of excuse when he's had some bad games, but now we're three seasons in. I mean, he's played over 2,000 NFL snaps and he's still been, you know, an average to above average starting guard sometimes. You know, he struggled quite a bit at center during his second season in particular and kind of moving back and forth between left guard and center was a a problem for him and there was some idea that he was supposed to be a more natural fit at center even though there hasn't really been a lot of concrete evidence or reasoning behind that but he he played better at left guard at the end of 2019 but then struggled at left guard at the beginning of 2020 so you know is a move to right guard going to make things that much better for him? You know, would he be better off staying left and moving Cody Whitehair over to right guard? You know, one of them is going to be thrown into a very new position there, assuming neither one is at center because you're going to start Sam Mustafer there. And that's going to be an adjustment and a question mark as to whether or not they can hold up at right at guard, even at the same levels we've seen them at left guard or center. And then there's Sam Mustafer, who's probably the biggest wild card out of any of them because we've only seen seven or eight games of NFL snaps in his whole career. He performed admirably for a guy coming in off of the bench with no NFL experience at all in the middle of a season with a quarterback change in there. I mean, it was it was better than we could have expected, but it wasn't great, right? There's a, there's a bar here, right? There's a, a lowering of expectations there. When he does come in, 
you were just kind of hoping for somebody that could hold down the job. And he held down the job, but he was not playing at a Pro Bowl level. He was just, he was an average-ish NFL center, again, for like seven or eight games. So we don't know that he's going to come back in 2021 and instantly be better. You know, we like to think players get better from year to year. They're always on this positive developmental curve, but... We've seen with James Daniels and Cody Whitehair that there is going to be ups and downs and that it's not always going to be consistent, steady improvement. And so, you know, we don't know that Sam Mustafer is going to be able to hold down the job for an 18-week season. We don't know how consistently he can hold up there. And even in the same way that Cody Whitehair couldn't hold down the center job for a full season and James Daniels couldn't hold down the center job for a full season, Mustafer was a backup like 12 months ago. He was a guy who'd never played in the NFL. And, and so... We just don't know. And so all of this puts a huge amount of emphasis and pressure on Juan Castillo. You have to develop your rookie left tackle who's played very, very little left tackle in college. He's going to be learning almost essentially a brand new position or at least a very new adjustment for him moving to that opposite side. Presumably, Cody Whitehair at left guard should be the thing you can rely on the most and say, here's my quote-unquote rock based on how he played there at the end of last season, but even that is not necessarily a sure thing. Then you also have to develop your second-year center, who just made his first starts, and now teams and opposing defensive linemen are all going to have tape on him. You know, Last year, he had the advantage of the element of surprise. You know, defensive tackles like Akeem Hicks couldn't scout him as much ahead of time and know his preferences and his moves to be able to jump the snap and know what pass rush moves are going to be effective. But now every defensive lineman he faces is going to have that tape, and that's why you see sophomore slumps at, at times for players that struggle to sort of adapt and add more to their repertoire and be prepared for how opponents are really going to attack them differently in their second seasons of NFL experience. So there's a lot of pressure on Mustafer to develop and come along. There's a lot of pressure on James Daniels, like Tevin Jenkins, to have to learn a new position and find some more consistency there than we've seen with him at either center or left guard. Coming off of an injury, you know, getting back on the field, getting back into shape, that there's there needs to be some development there. And then it's, you know, hyping up Jermaine Effetti as a potential Pro Bowl right tackle. And the expectations that you start to set there, self-inflicted from Juan Castillo. Or if it's Larry Borum, you know, getting your fifth-round pick. It, like, it just feels like across the board, the Bears have five starters and a couple of backups that all need some kind of growth and development that your offensive line coach is responsible for. And in the course of any given season, not every player that you're trying to develop is going to make those steps forward. You're going to have some guys that just don't. And so it's a question of how many guys are and how many guys aren't on this offensive line and what are going to be the consequences of that if your center doesn't take those steps forward or if James Daniels doesn't take to right guard or if you have a rotation of inconsistency at right tackle, no matter how you put out there, then how does that affect Andy Dalton? How does that affect Justin Fields and his development? You know, are you more hesitant to put Justin Fields out there if you're not as confident in the offensive line that he's going to have? Because you want to make things easy on him, and you don't want him to get into bad habits early in his career because his offensive line is struggling and all the different ripple effects that can have on this team. So that's why I say this Bears offensive line, it's a gamble. It's a, it's a risk. It's a consequence of 
the Bears' poor salary cap management and not having cap space to really invest in this offensive line and either keep the players that you did have that had experience that you at least kind of knew what you were getting with Charles Leno and Bobby Massey. There was a certain level of consistency there. Even if you, even if they weren't Pro Bowl guys, week in and week out, you kind of knew what they were. It's the devil you know versus now you have the devil that you don't know. And there's a chance it works out very well, and there's a chance it works out very poorly. But it's clear that it's it's more a long-term offensive line building strategy, which means we're not going to see the best form of this Bears offensive line in 2021, and that's not going to make the job easier for the quarterbacks and the running backs and the wide receivers. I'll be fascinated to see how it plays out, and you can be sure we will keep you up to date with any and all offensive line updates right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. We'll be back on Monday with the latest from Bears organized team activities. Any kind of news and notes we get, we will certainly pass along and we'll keep the off-season analysis coming your way. Working on a couple of potential guests over the next week or so that should give us some some different perspectives and some different off-season kinds of conversations that'll really help us get through these long summer months with no real Bears football. But that doesn't mean we're going anywhere. So I hope you'll keep tuning in, keep following along. And in exchange, I hope the podcast helps you bear down.